Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best coaches in the industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier men's lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. Now, this show is about you, and we're here to help you become the best man you can be in every area of your life. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here and get some free ebooks and drills and exercises that'll help you become more charismatic and confident by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you're new to the show but you wanna know more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, listen to The Art of Charm Toolbox at theartofcharmpodcast.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of dating and attraction such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, including some episodes on breakups and relationship management. That's where all the basics are, so get a handle on that first. We've got boot camps running every single month here in Hollywood, California. Details on those at theartofcharm.com. Looking forward to meeting all you guys here at AOC. All right, today we're talking with master networker Derek Coburn. We're gonna talk about why networking isn't just about making connections, so-called unnetworking, why networking events and networking for its own sake is often useless, and how to interact with busy people once you do get them actually face-to-face. We've talked about emailing business people earlier on the show. We're also gonna talk about something called permission networking and why it's key to you being the ultimate connector and hub of your own network, managing introductions between spokes in your network for maximum impact, and using networking as a value add in your own business and relationships. Last but not least, making sure your networking efforts put you at top of mind for potential clients and business relationships. So enjoy this one with Derek Coburn, author of Networking Is Not Working. Derek Coburn, I'm glad to have you here. I know we've talked about networking before on the show, and it's funny because I believe we did refer to it as Networking 2.0, and before the show we were talking about Networking 3.0, which is what we're talking about here. And I love how you just, I see what you did there. You're like, everyone's going to talk about networking 2.0. I'm just going to start at three because why not? Yeah. And, and then of course you have the the crowd, like the early adopter crowd who's, who they're already sick of the 3.0s. And, you know, we use the term unnetworking to describe the professional community that we serve. So it's trying to you know advance the ball and find that good middle ground where you're appealing to as many people as possible. Exactly. But, you know, all jokes aside, Networking is huge. Personal relationships are huge. You can't build a strong business without it. You can't build any kind of social circle without it. It's not just handing out business cards, but I get as much networking information as I can because there are better ways to systemize it. There are better ways to build those relationships. And a lot of guys come through the Art of Charm live training because they're thinking, okay, I know the system. I know how to systemize my networking. I know that I need to build relationships. I just need the nuanced stuff. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff here, but some guys will come through and they go, I don't know how to really nail the first impression. I don't know how to get people to like and trust me in a short amount of time enough that they want to do business. And we've talked about this before, but people buy you when they do business with you. The product can be great. It can be a lifesaver. It can be something that saves a company a lot of money. But usually people are doing business with people that they like and trust. And usually those that you like, you trust, and usually those that you trust, you like. Seldom is it any other way. There's very rarely somebody that you like and don't trust, unless it's like a family member that's wronged you a bunch of times that you can't get rid of. And very rarely do you trust somebody that you don't like. And if you think about it, it it may be a drill sergeant or somebody in the military, you say, this guy, what a son of a bitch, but yeah, I'll still follow him to battle. 
Uh, but rarely, outside of those circumstances, are there other people like that. And certainly in business, if you don't like somebody, even if they're the quote-unquote best person for the job, there's a damn good chance you're just going to find somebody else to do it. And you don't want to be left out in the cold because the so-called cool kids are doing business with each other and you're the new guy in the block that's not getting any business, not getting invited to the events, not getting looped in on the PR and cross-promotion that other people are doing, et cetera. I think that there's a couple of problems with networking in general, but one of the problems is that it is so closely associated for a lot of people with getting business, and I think they need to be viewed as two separate activities. And so in my book, Networking is Not Working, the two primary reasons why I say it's not working are A – you, if you were to ask 20 people to define networking, you would get 20 different answers. Uh, some may say they're looking to get a new client, unfortunately for the rest of us, because that's really hard to do. Uh, some may say they're looking to get a new job. Some people like myself and probably like you, they view it as a way to meet other successful people that they can develop more of a longer term relationship with, find ways they can help each other out. And the second problem is that all of those definitions, regardless of whose definition it is, probably include the idea of going to these larger networking events. And I'm of the belief the definition I use for networking is any activity that increases the value of your network and or the value you contribute to it. And I feel like you can accomplish that in a very significant way by actually avoiding going to these larger events for the most part. Yeah, I definitely want to echo your sentiment that it's not just about getting business. I'll network with somebody who's a personal trainer, even though I'm not in the fitness industry and I know a bunch of other personal trainers. And quite frankly, I'm not necessarily on the market for a personal trainer, although I should be. It really doesn't matter because I can have a great network with somebody like that or a great networking connection with somebody like that. And even if I never do any business with them ever in my whole life, they may very well be a valuable addition to my network because I can connect them to other people and I can connect other people to them. And that by in and of itself, connecting other people inside your network increases the value thereof, right? Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about how this works because I used to go to a lot of those big networking events and I hate that. And I know a lot of people write in, oh, I hate those too. It's so awkward. Not just because it's awkward, because it is. And not just because it's like, how do I start conversations with people there? And how do I get the ball rolling? It's because when I go to those things, maybe I'm jumping to conclusions, so correct me if I'm wrong. Nobody who's really good at networking is at a quote-unquote networking event because they know better. Yeah, I would take it a step further and say that very few really successful people are at networking events. And the reason and obviously good networkers are likely to become successful, if not already. And the big thing is that for anyone who has a business that's doing so well, where they have nothing but clients that they enjoy serving and providing whatever it is they provide for, they have a line out the door of prospective clients who want to get on the action and you just don't have the capacity to handle them. Those people would never go to a networking event. Right. And I don't think that there's many businesses that are there. I'm not there, but there's some that are closer than others. The busier that you get as the value of your business increases, so does the quality of your time. And from a very practical point of view, the reason why you're not meeting more of the people that you want to meet when you go to these larger events is frankly, because they have better things to do with their time. Yeah, it's kind of like going to a gay bar and trying to meet single ladies, right? It's And you're going, why? There's no cute girls here. What's going on? 
because you're in the wrong place. They're not there generally. Actually, they probably are there. They just don't want to talk to you. But I've made the mistake of getting dragged into networking events or going as a favor to somebody else or something like that. And even back in the day when I thought, oh, there might be something here, I remember going to these things and just being like, never again, because it was a lot of value leeches, people that wanted something, had no value to offer, weren't really doing anything, didn't take actionable advice. And now the only time you'll catch me at a networking event is if for some reason I'm speaking at one and then usually I be as polite as I can and then scoot because there really isn't a lot of value there and it's generally not useful for me to network with those people, not just because they can't help me, but because even when I try to help them, they're not really receptive to it, which is really annoying. The better my business gets here at The Art of Charm and the more connections I make with high value people that are just really good and really crushing it, the more I tend to get invited to very small private things like, hey, let's go sailing for the weekend. There's going to be 20 guys there that are really crushing it in XYZ industry they're all cool. It's not about networking for business. It's just about getting to know other successful people. And that's it. And those are the best quote unquote networking events because it's just a bunch of really successful people having a good time, not necessarily talking about how they're going to get ROI out of the weekend. Right? Absolutely. And there's a quote from my buddy, David Seitman Garland from his book, which is that networking events are like nightclubs and that everyone there is looking for a professional stand for the most part. Mm -hmm. And I love that quote. I use it in my book and I build on it. And, you know, if you are networking because you want to hang out with the people you just described and you want to be able to develop relationships with other like minded, successful people, let's compare that to the dating world. And I actually do this in my book. I don't you think I'm reaching too much for, for your awesome audience. But if you're focusing on trying to settle down and find the right person, have a great relationship with someone and you pick up how to find my soulmate or how to meet the love of my life, I'm making these titles up. They don't say chapter one, step one, continue going to nightclubs and bars all the time. Yet just about every networking book I've read or article, even even ones I thought were really well done they all sort of focus on how to do the big event thing a little bit better. And what I did in my wealth management business and what I've uh, seen a lot of other people put into practice uh, with a lot of effectiveness is to just take the time that you're spending going to these larger events and reapply it to some of the things that work really well in, in the dating world, right? Like leveraging your friendships, hosting dinner parties, parties on the boat, like you just described, double dates. There's a lot of other things that at least for me and for a lot of other people, I hope that are going to be much more effective and much more enjoyable. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because a lot of people who are in positions of business that are successful don't necessarily want to go to any event where they're just going to be, quote unquote, networking, unless it's like Richard Branson's going to be there. You know what I mean? Then sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll hang out with Mark Cuban. But those are few and far between. and It's hard to get a bunch of busy people together. But if you say, hey, we're going sailing. It's like, I would go do that anyway, and the fact is that I know that there's going to be some people there who may or may not be great for business, but might also just be interesting folks to hang out with. There's the value add, right? Yeah, totally, and there's some strategy behind that from you know that worked for me, and you mentioned networking 3.0 earlier, so the way I define it is networking 1.0 is networking to benefit yourself directly. Basically, at that moment, you're trying to get a new client or you're trying to get a job. Networking 2.0 is you are focusing on how you can benefit the person you're just meeting for the first time. And, you know, I'm all for paying it forward. But there's something that 
is, you know, on one hand, it's just kind of weird. You know, if I were to meet you and 10 seconds into the conversation, Jordan, tell me more about Art of Charm and how I can refer you some great clients. You might say like, dude, you just met me. Why are you saying this? It's kind of like it's the environment of these larger networking events where everyone, even people that have more authentic intentions, they have their guard up. They know what to expect when they go there. It's like, you know, you go to a to a nightclub or a bar and you meet a woman and, t- you know, 30 seconds in, I'm looking to settle down and get married. Well, that might be what you want. That might be what she wants, but she's not going to think it's cool that you're telling her that less than a minute into having a conversation with her. Yeah, that's true. You know, I do notice that a lot. And it's funny because you go to a really terrible networking event and they're like, oh, you run a business. Hey, are you hiring? That's like networking 1.0. Here's my card. Call me. I want a job, right? That's like the worst. I would never even, that thing doesn't even make it out the door. I go to the bathroom to wash my hands and I dump a handful of business cards, pocket full of business cards into the garbage usually. Uh, And networking (laughs) 2.0, you're right. I do get that a lot. Like, tell me how I can help you. I even get emails like that all the time. I love, don't get me wrong. I love getting email from people who are like, I love your show. I want to help out in any way that I can. Is there anything I can do for you? That's great because it's like, you've given me value. I just want to help and I don't really know how. I usually reply with something like, hey, give me an iTunes review or where are you from? And we'll have a conversation and that's cool. But if I'm in an event and someone's like, what can I do for you, Jordan Harbinger? I'm just kind of like, <laughs> okay, here's the part where I say, I don't know, I'm looking for XYZ. You make sort of a token introduction to somebody else via email that probably doesn't pan out because you've introduced that person to a hundred other people. Then you're going to start introducing me to a bunch of people, and some of it might be great, which I love, but a lot of it won't be, and that's okay, but then you're going to turn around and be like, so now that I've given you a lot of value, dot, 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 I want something. So it's just kind of like networking 1.0 with sugar on it. Totally, and I think, too, like there's a bunch of people practicing networking 2.0 that are really networking 1.0 professionals, but they read all these books. If you focus on the person you're meeting and how you can help them, then you'll start the quid pro quo game, and it'll come back to you full circle. But there's also – If you're really going to be someone that is a connector and be a valuable resource for your network, there's a lot of downside in play by referring someone that you don't know that well to someone that you do know well, to someone that is a client. And so for me, networking 3.0, which is more effective at the larger events than the other two options, but it's best in practice by doing things that are completely separate of these larger events. But networking 3.0 is you're focusing on how you can benefit your existing clients and people in your network. And so that's much different from I'm meeting you and you ask me what I do and I'm a financial advisor and and you say, well, you're not interested in a financial advisor and I keep you know walking up to new people until I find someone that is. If you say, well, I don't really know when I'll be ready to work with you because right now I'm currently saving up all my money for a new house. If it's triggered by them, then I can go back and make a very low risk, very high reward introduction to a real estate agent or two in my network and preface it by saying, I don't know this dude. We just met, but he seems sincere. He seems like he's looking for a new house. And the nice thing about it is that worst case scenario this person in my network that I have a relationship with knows that I'm thinking about them and that I'm trying to make some good things happen on their behalf. Yeah, that makes sense. So you kind of, you say, hey, listen, I don't really know much, but this is a potential sales lead. And nobody who is doing something where they have to sell themselves is going to be like, hey, that lead didn't buy you, jerk, because they deal with the rejection every day. And they're like, hey, thanks for sending me that guy. It didn't pan out, but I appreciate the fact that you sent that over. But you're right. There is a difference between that. And I just want to be super clear. 
I love when listeners write in and say, hey, I know this guy who might be a really good fit for the show because I've listened to the show for a while and this guy's super interesting. Yes, it's my uncle, but here's why I think he'd be a good fit. That's really helpful. It's not helpful when people are like, hey, man, you know what? You should get Barack Obama on your podcast. Thanks for the show. Like, that's not helpful, right? But there is a big difference between giving me some sort of suggestion there or making the introduction rather than just sending me a list or trying to introduce me to somebody. And then I email that guy and I'm like, hey, I, yeah, let's talk about the show. And the guy goes, what show? Who are you? I don't even know who the guy is that emailed me. What are we talking about? And then I'm like, oh, this is just a guy who's practicing networking 2.0 but doing it wrong because he didn't even make an impression enough on this one guy. He doesn't even respect the intro because he's like, who is this? And that's a big fail, right? Definitely. It frustrates me. There's definitely a large segment of the population that's not going to feel sorry for guys like us who have people that want to help us and want to do things. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. To support us, right? But there's a difference between being a connector and being well-connected or at least fronting to be well-connected. And when I get introductions saying, oh, you two should meet, you're both great guys and I think you're awesome and you're going to hit it off, that right there requires work on my part. Why do I need to meet this person? Maybe it's a great introduction for me, but maybe it's not. And and do I need to take time away from my day to look up their website? And again, so I'm not – it's kind of like a weird – it's a catch-22 where you want people to be looking to try to help you. But it's most effective when they do a little bit of the legwork and they say, here's why I think you guys should meet or here's why I think this person will be a great guest. And you don't have to worry about it. All right, back to the show. I just really don't want to discourage guys from trying to reach out and say, hey, I don't know this author. I just thought I'd look up their contact info and reach out. That's a good thing. It becomes a bad thing when you're going to networking events and just collecting cards and info to send to other people because you want something in return. It's a really nuance. So I'd say, honestly, and I don't know how you feel about this, Derek, but err on the side of making more introductions just practice also making those fruitful for all sides involved as much as you can. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I hear you on having to do work at a certain point, but I will never get angry with somebody for making a suggestion and or trying their best to reach out. But I do, I do definitely hear you when someone's like, hey, my friend lives in San Francisco. You guys should drink a beer. Then I've got to look like the dick who's like, I don't want to meet your friend because I'm really busy <laughs> and I don't even know who you are let alone who your homeboy is that you went to high school with. You know, I really don't have time. It sucks because I don't want to sound like a snobby person who doesn't have it, you know, I don't have time for the peasantry or whatever, like the blue collar. I don't know. That's not how it is at all. But if there's no perceivable value in there, it's really, really, really tough to prioritize because there's so many readily valuable introductions and relationships both outside and inside of business, regardless of where the value lies, that it's really hard for busy people to just get together with somebody because you know somebody that knows somebody that knows the other guy. Yeah, you know, when I personally, when I make connections between two people, what I think about is, okay, if I make this connection and it ends up not being good for either one of them or it's not a good use of either one of their times, then I'm potentially hurting that relationship 
more so than if I would have never sent anything at all. So I tried to, to practice permission networking, which is a term that James Altucher uses to play off permission marketing by Seth Godin. And I tried it to let each person know, here's why I'm thinking I want to make the introduction, get the buy-in, and then set it up in a way so that each of them knows why I want them to meet the other and what's in it for them and what contributions they can make. And I just feel that's the standard that I at least hold myself to when I'm making these types of connections between people. I like this because I don't actually do that very often. I tend to just go, hey, Derek, you should meet my friend John Corcoran. He's awesome. I don't act, I did not ask you if you wanted that introduction. How did that how did you perceive that? I perceive that as being good because the way that we met through our buddy uh, Jason Geinard and just the impression that I have of you and and, uh, having listened to your podcast before. So I think that if you are dealing with people that you know a little bit from the way that we met, I just trusted that it was a good fit. But you also were not as simple as you made it out to be. You you gave me a little bit of background and uh, I loved your interview with him, by the way. It was great. I think there's probably so many people that would, if you just took the time and connected them and made it a very simple connection, they would just be so happy that you thought of them and that you made the connection. I just think that it's when uh, when you're sort of swimming upstream a little bit and you know you're dealing with really busy people that everybody wants to get at. Those are the people that you have to be a little more cognizant of what you're doing, I think. Basically, since we'd already spoken on the phone and since I'd already done the show with John, you were thinking, okay, this is vetted. It's not just somebody trying to get something from me because I've already spoken with Jordan. And this person in the email, I said, he also does networking. He's an expert in this. You guys are in the same niche. So it made perfect sense. It wasn't just, hey, my friend maybe kind of lives near you. You should have a beer. It was different. Exactly. Yeah, okay, got it. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that was clear because I really don't want to confuse the audience into like never emailing anybody because then they're not (laughs) doing permission networking. I, I say always err on the side of just going for it anyway, especially if you're not dealing with people who are the Mark Cubans. You don't cold email Richard Branson and say, hey, man, you should meet this guy. He owns his own you know, Starbucks franchise or, or whatever, right? I mean, it becomes more important to have permission when you're doing that because otherwise it's going to fall into a filter. If you do have that, then I would say just go for it anyway because I, I really just don't want guys to talk themselves out of reaching out. However, I do think there is something to that. When people are super busy, it helps to either get to know one party r- really well so that when you do make that intro, the other party goes, okay, this is great. And you don't run the risk of sort of stepping on your own toes and your own reputation by introducing two parties where neither of them know each other and then there's no value there. And then the next email that comes in, they go, ah, this is Jordan, the guy that introduces me to all these yutzes that aren't doing anything remotely important. And I probably overthink this shit too much, too. But I'll give you like one example. So a friend of mine, this guy, Paul Brunson, I don't know if you know him. um, He runs like a big matchmaking agency. He was uh, Oprah Winfrey's life coach for a while. And I've gotten to know him. And I was connecting him with a couple of high profile cats who have one was an online publication. The other was just to connect to talk about some things. And I made two introductions on his behalf. Because I talked to him about it two or three weeks earlier. I hadn't done it. And I made these connections on his behalf. And as it turned out, he was getting ready to launch his television show. He just had no time at all to respond to these emails. And so literally three weeks, four weeks later, I pinged them 
to see where it was. Oh, we never heard back from him. So I went back in and patched it up a little bit. But if I would have asked him before sending that, he could have said, I'm slammed right now. It's not a good time. Instead of maybe me putting him in a weird spot where I was introducing him to somebody that and ended up being a really good introduction, but it just wasn't something that he could get to at that moment. Ah, interesting. So before you should pave the way a little bit if people are really busy because they might go, oh, great, you've just given me the obligation to reach back out to this person and I'm going on vacation. Now I've like got to figure out how to make this happen. You're right. You do look like a little bit of a, a knucklehead if you can't get the other person to respond. And I totally get that. Imagine I introduce you to John Corcoran. He doesn't respond. And you're like, thanks a lot. What the heck was that? Yeah. And so there's an introduction that I'm going to make to you. I even forget who it was, but it popped up on my to-do list yesterday, June 1st. I was going to make it after we had our first conversation, but I knew you were getting ready to go away for a few weeks. And I didn't want to send an introduction connecting you to somebody while you were away, you know, chilling out, not focused on business and put you in a spot where you potentially would look like a slacker by not getting back to the person. Yeah, that's good. So you kind of have to think two steps ahead. And I'll say again to my own audience, always reach out to me. If I don't get back to you right away, I eventually will. I pretty much answer every single email that we get, and uh, it's tough, but it's also the bulk of my job is that communication. And I do think that there's a lot of people out there that are producing. For example, you know, you've got your wealth management business, but you are also writing a book. You can't probably reply to all of the email that you get. It's just not valuable to you. It's impossible. It would drain your creativity time. Yeah, I mean, between the wealth management business the unnetworking community that we run, I run it with my wife, Cadre, in D.C. We have over 100 CEOs, business owners, and entrepreneurs, and the book came out a few weeks ago. It's forced me to really up my game in terms of what I'm going to say yes to uh, and what I'm going to say no to. And I'm still pretty much a punk in the ultimate scheme of things, right? I don't want to sound like I'm some arrogant guy, but when I'm making these introductions to people that are really busy and are where I want to be in terms of uh, how I'm spending my time, I want to respect their time because I know that's where I'm adding the value. It's not just in, hey, you should meet this person, but it's setting it up for success so that it's a good thing for everyone in, in an ideal world. It's not why I do it, but they would say, you know, I'm really glad Derek connected us the way he did when he did it. Excellent. Okay. Tell me about enhancing the value you deliver for your best clients. I mean, that's something we discussed before the show, but what does that actually mean? All right. So this is sort of how I stumbled onto the term networking 3.0. And this goes back five or six years. And when I just was running the wealth management business and a client of mine called me up, I changed his name for the book, but I refer to him as David, the landscaper. Aside from changing uh, the name in the business, it, the story is 100% true. And he said, look, I, I got a call from a great client of mine, and they want me to take a meeting with their brother-in-law, who's a financial advisor. I let them know how much I liked you and that I wasn't looking to make any changes. And they said, look, you, you'll just be doing us a favor by taking the meeting. No pressure whatsoever to do anything beyond that. So he told me about it, called me up the day after the meeting and said, Derek, I got to tell you what went down. About 45 minutes in, I was presented with a hypothetical portfolio that showed if I invested my money with his firm instead of with you for the past couple of years, I would have earned an extra 2 to 3% per year in my portfolio. And my client's response was, well, Derek has introduced me to two clients that have generated over $2 million for my business during that time. 
So in theory, Derek could have lost half the money in my portfolio, which I didn't do, obviously. And from a net perspective, I still would have been better off working with him. And what I realized was this was something that I was doing for my clients and I was not being intentional about it. And the term I use for it is the ultimate tiebreaker, because I think on one hand, it's a great way becoming an extension of your client's business development and marketing department is a great way to add even more value to that relationship. But it's also a great way to stand apart from other people who are doing what you do. I think for a lot of us, our biggest competitor is indifference. It's not that they love the current attorney that they have or the current IT provider. They like them fine. They've got a lot of other stuff going on. But if you show up and your services and what you provide is being as good or better than what they have now, and on top of that, you're going to get to understand their business and how you can identify opportunities for them, it's going to be hard for others to compete with that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So for example, our attorney will hook us up with people all the time, regardless of whether or not anything pans out. We know he's thinking about us as clients. And we also know that eventually, sometimes something is going to land most likely and he knows our brand really well. So those are all pretty vetted introductions. And all other things being equal, which is a phrase that I usually hate, him versus another attorney, we would stick with him because he's going that extra mile, even if it's not really that much work because he's just hooking two of his clients up with each other for business purposes, even if no business ever comes out of it, it shows us that one, he cares, and two, something might actually hit and be a value add. Uh, so again, all other things being equal, those introductions are a value add in and of themselves. I think you're right, especially in something like financial management where I know that you guys aren't necessarily all the same, but I might not necessarily know why as a prospective client. If you're sitting there helping my business out and then I have a need for services, why would I go to the yellow pages? You know, I already know you. Yeah, I mean, look, it cannot take the place of doing a great job and you have to be really good at providing your core deliverable and why and the reason why people are hiring you in the first place. I would actually say that it would go even beyond all things being equal. I think if your attorney started charging you an extra $100 per hour starting next month, but he still continued to deliver on these other things that you probably wouldn't care. Like how crappy does your attorney have to be at doing his job for you to say, we need a new attorney if he's teeing up great clients and great potential clients for you on a regular basis? Right. If it ends up paying for himself or more, from those networking connections, we kind of go, ah, well, you know, he might have had to redo this, or maybe this took a little longer than usual, but man, he helped us make 10 extra thousand dollars, so he's paid for himself this quarter already, and, you know, we can live with it, right? Definitely. So how do we use this sort of networking to do what we all kind of want to do at the end of the day, which is position ourselves for more quality introductions to prospective clients for our own businesses? Yeah. So um, what I talk about in the book is I use an acronym, connector acronym, but I, there's only one N. And it's a process that if it's applied together, it's how to put together your own 20 to 25 person networking group. Uh, there's a lot that can be plucked out on a one-off basis that you don't have to sort of do everything in order and do everything that I talk about, but it's what I did. And I traded out the time I was spending going to these larger events and instead curated my own group that centered around some of my best clients who were business owners who could benefit from networking and meeting with other 
people who were in a similar place in a similar world to them. Then it was getting introductions either through my clients or other people that I know, and then going out and handpicking some others that whether it was a certain industry that I felt would benefit that we currently didn't have represented or just an interesting person in general. And I would host, you know, different types of events, roundtable lunches, wine tastings. I put together an online community where I was sort of the glue to it and I was doing it as a way to first and foremost add value for my best clients and add value for my network. But then the last three letters of the acronym TOR stand for trigger ongoing reciprocation. My reason for calling it that is I feel like even for those of us who do a really great job of adding value for people, they want to help us. They're really appreciative. But at least in my experience, no one ever sets aside 30 minutes on a Friday afternoon to say, I'm going to try to look for some referrals for Derek because of all he's done for me. And so I think that there are a number of things that we can do to put the people that want to help us in a position to do so more effectively than they would otherwise. Okay. So it makes perfect sense to be sort of front of mind, but do you have a system for how you actually do it? Yeah. So focusing on the TOR part, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. So, all right, I'll tell you a couple of examples, sort of um, starting off basic and then getting a little more involved. So one is I use a lot of email templates, whether it's connecting people, whether it's uh, inviting people to attend something I'm hosting. I also use them a lot for giving to my clients, my members of Cadre, other people that I know, so that I'm making it easy for them to introduce other people to me and my business. So for example, when we were about six or eight months into Cadre, when we first launched, uh, we sent everyone an email and we said, look, we here's the type of person that we're looking to add to the community. Here are some additional uh, industries that we need. We're going to host these two events in August and we want to really round everybody up to come to these two events because we're in a little thing beforehand. And we gave them the email saying, I'm part of this great group called Cadre. It has this many people in it. Here are the benefits I get from being in it. I think you would love it. I'd like to invite you to be my guest to attend this event and essentially put them in a position where they could obviously tweak it if they wanted to, but they could just copy and paste it in there. And the result was we received 60 referrals that month. And I tell people all the time, our members didn't like us 60 referrals more in July than they did in August. It was just that we made it really easy for them to invite people and took the legwork out of it so that they could do what they wanted to do anyways, which was help us and indirectly help them by growing the community and do it in a way so that it was a no-brainer and didn't take up a lot of their time. Right. So you basically made it so that they could literally cut and paste so that they don't have to do any thinking and they can go, you know what? I almost feel guilty for not doing this because it's so easy. I have no excuse and they can give back at the same time. It's a value add for them because now they feel like, oh, okay, I helped out. I'm good. And since it was so easy, you got 60 times more referrals than you normally would. Yep. All right. So a couple of other quick things here that I think might be helpful. So for years, if I was sponsoring a golf tournament or if I had four seats to a sporting event, I would invite three clients to join me for that. And it always worked out really well. And, and one day I realized, you know what? My clients would probably rather hang out with some of their buddies than hang out with two other clients of mine that they don't really know that well. So I started to do, I call it the three for one, where 
anytime now I invite someone to attend anything with me, whether it's a sporting event, a golf foursome, attending someone else's larger networking event, whatever, because I can leverage them that way, especially if there's a good speaker, I'll say, here's a ticket for you and here's two other tickets that I'd like you to use and invite whoever you think would enjoy hanging out with all of us. If you want to invite someone that you think would be a great fit for my business or as a potential member for Cadre, that's great, but no pressure at all. First and foremost, I just want to do this for you. And so again, worst case scenario, my intentions are just to do something great for a client of mine. And so if they have a wonderful time, uh, I gave them the opportunity, you know, expand on our relationship And at the same time, they got to hang out with a couple of people. It's a perk for them. Hey, because I'm working with Derek, I can invite you guys to go to this cool stuff with me. Then it was great. But what happens over time is that when you're spending four hours with somebody, then those questions that start to sort of buck back against this whole idea of competing against indifference. Right. That, oh, wait a second. I don't have a financial advisor that takes me to stuff like this. I certainly don't have a financial advisor that lets me bring friends of mine to stuff like this. Cause when I go with him, it's always, I always have to hang out with like other clients of his. So there's a lot of other strategies, you know, how I host wine tasting events and position my clients and the other people in my network to come and have a great time, but also position them to make it really easy to make the introductions that they want to make, but they just are not making because everything else is getting in the way if left to their own accord. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I actually had, I forgot about this for a long time. There was a guy in LA and one of our interns at the Art of Charm also interned for this guy and he was in the music industry. So what he did was he had a party and he would have an A-list type of performer go there to do a small performance for whatever 50 people were hanging out at his house. He had a bartender, he had catered food, and he had a driver that would drive anybody home and go and pick anybody up because a lot of people in L.A., especially celebrity types, they don't want to drive anywhere because they're going to get all screwed up on whatever substances of, of their choice. <laughs> and also because some people are like, oh, I'm at a thing right now. I can't make it. And it's like, well, I'll send the driver to come and get you. And it makes it really, really easy. And he had the intern coordinating all of this with the driver. So it was really cool because it was kind of like, ah, I don't really know. I, I, I'm busy right now. And I'm, you know, I've got to go get my car. And they're like, no, don't worry. I'll send the driver for you. Don't call a cab and get here. Or it was just, I'll send the driver for you. Or, oh, I'm not at home right now. I'm over at XYZ. Cool. I'll have the driver come get you. Is that cool? And it's like, all right, fine. You know, and then I know I don't have to worry about getting a car home because the driver's there. And this driver was going back and forth the whole party, dropping people off, picking people up, delivering more people there. And everybody, of course, showed up for the food, the drink, and the performance that they wouldn't have been able to get anywhere else. So all the logistics were just taken care of. And it ended up being a really, really cool experience because I thought, wow, if this guy wants somebody there, he's got the value add and the logistics handled. That's something I can learn from. So now if we're ever going to have an event for the Art of Charm, it's going to have a fleet of cars, something that people can't get anywhere else, as well as food and drinks. So nobody's late because they're hungry or leaving because they're thirsty. That's awesome. So thanks so much, Derek. People can find you, and our, our show notes, of course, are going to link to this, DerekCoburn.com, as well as to your book. And, uh, yeah, definitely thank you for your tips. A lot of guys are going to be putting these into action right away. Thanks so much, Jordan. I really appreciate the opportunity. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I really especially enjoy the part about why networking isn't just about connecting. A lot of people have that sort of misinformation. In fact, I definitely started out that way as well. 
And, of course, you guys have heard me bitch about networking events and networking for its own sake, and you know what I think about that. So I was glad to reinforce that, as well as the whole permission networking thing. And I really like that concept because I don't think a lot of people really follow it. And for me, it's not much of a peeve because I love introductions and I love connecting, but I do think that most people could do that a little better. So hopefully this will help out. I know it's helped me out as well. I'd never thought about adding networking as a value add in my business and relationships. I think a lot of people do it automatically, but doing it with intent is extremely powerful. And I think if you're not doing that, you should start ASAP. Solid show as usual, if I do say so myself. Show feedback and guest suggestions. We rely on you guys to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let us know at jordanh at theartofcharm.com. Bootcamp details, that's our live training at theartofcharm.com. And that's also where you can find links to us on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media. If you're listening to this but you're not subscribed in iTunes or Stitcher, then that needs to change. Getting our shows delivered free to your phone or computer is the best way to make sure you don't miss anything. You can do that by going to iTunes and searching for the Art of Charm podcast or by going to theartofcharm.com slash iTunes and clicking subscribe. That's it. You guys can also help us if you subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher. Give us a five-star rating and write something nice. We'll love you forever. Just go to iTunes.com slash The Art of Charm and it'll take you right there. When you write us a review, it not only makes us feel proud, but it helps keep us in the ranks so that other people who can use this information can find the show more easily and get the credible advice that they need. It's also the best way to support the show other than purchasing training from us. So tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. So have a great week, go out there and get social, and leave everything better than you found it. All right, guys, visit GoDaddy.com and enter promo code CHARM30 to save 30% on your order. And remember, you can get .club, .guru, .photography, and .anything you want. And I'll .see you next time.